The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome, I'm your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips, and on this show, we'll be turning up the psychological perspective on many life issues. To do this, I want to include you in the conversation. This is Psych Up Live. I welcome you to listen in and call in with questions, comments to today's show at 1-866-472-5788. In this show, we're going to look beyond implicit norms and social expectations that lead most of us to believe even though we may not abide by it, that happiness equates to finding someone, getting married, buying a home, having children, and going on into the sunset. The reality is not everybody does this, and surprisingly, they're still happy. Half of adult Americans are single. Many live by choice alone, and many singles and marrieds and single and married parents live in housing arrangements that that are as creative as they are different from the nuclear family. And it works. This episode invites us to look beyond the cultural constraints to recognize opportunities for lifestyles and life spaces. Our guest is an expert on these subjects. She is esteemed Harvard-trained social psychologist, Dr. Bella DiPolo. Dr. DiPolo is the author of many books. She'll be discussing two of them with us, Singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatized, and Ignored, and still live happily ever after, and her latest book, a fascinating book, How We Live Now, Redefining Home and Family in the 21st Century. Dr. DiPaolo has discussed single life on radio and television, including NPR and CNN, and she has both written for, and her work has been described in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Forbes, and almost all of the leading journals. Dr. Bella DiPaolo, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much for inviting me, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Okay. Um, you're very welcome. Dr. DePolo, uh, the Atlantic Magazine describes you as America's foremost thinker and writer on the single experience. Now, what sets you in this direction? Well, I've been single all my life, and I always 
loved being single. I was never <laughs> anyone who fantasized about what my bridesmaids would wear or had a list of, of uh, qualities that I'd want in a mate. I just liked my single life, except for all the ways that single people are stereotyped, stigmatized, discriminated against, which I call singleism. But right. for a long time, I didn't know... If my experiences were representative, if they were really just quirky, because I had also seen all these headlines in the media saying, oh, science shows that if you get married, you'll be happier, healthier, live longer, all, and all that, which I thought was true until I started actually scrutinizing the research myself. But anyway, the, so my personal journey started with very tentatively asking other people who were single if they had any of the experiences I did of being treated in ways that were that seemed kind of unfair just because you're single, like being asked to come in and teach at night because somebody will say to you, oh, well, it's too hard for the married people to come back and teach right. at night. Or, right. or, or being demoted to uh, having lunch with your friends because they go out to dinner and a movie with other couples on the weekends and you as a single person get demoted. So I started asking other people if this happened to them and the first time I did it was at a social event and I asked one person and she said, oh yes, and she started telling me her stories. Then other people joined us and they started telling their stories. We talked all night. The next day I opened my email and I had emails from people at that event and they said, oh, and here's another thing. <laughs> so it was clear that it was touching a nerve. So that's what got me started was realizing that this was something that other people were experiencing as well. Absolutely. And, you know, having been in practice for almost 40 years, I have heard the stories. I've heard that you like will that. be assigned because you're single to mm-hmm. take your grandma. Right. You are somebody who um, could definitely sit with this person at the affair because you're coming alone. Right. And on and on and on. Yeah. And just recently... I was reading fairy tales to my little two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter yeah. and thinking about our show, and I'm, I'm reading them out loud and thinking, wait a minute, Cinderella only gets out of that nightmare because she meets the prince, uh-huh. he sees her, she sees him, they're in love, yeah. married, gone. Snow White right. is in a coma in the forest, and yeah. a prince comes along, kisses uh-huh. her, she's out of the coma, Fall in love, married, and I thought, whoa, this starts starts at two and a half. Yeah, isn't it amazing? So it's no wonder that it's hard to break out of that mold of thinking that getting married is like the magical all-purpose solution. If you get married, then all of your wishes will come true and your life path is set, and that's the end of it. You know, one of the things that you make clear in the book, Singled Out, it's a very good title, it has multiple meanings, yes. is that you don't have an issue with marriage. You have an issue with people really immediately making presumptions right. about single people. Exactly. So that's one of the issues is that people think 
if they know that you're single, they know everything about you. And they make all these assumptions based on all these stereotypes. Like, oh, you must be miserable and lonely and you must be selfish and you must have issues. There must be something wrong with you. And that's and just so wrong and something that's that no one ever does to married people. They don't think, oh, you're married. You must be needy and dependent, right? <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, I started to wonder, why has this... stereotyping gone unnoticed as opposed to other stereotypes. And I started thinking from what people have said to me, um, there is an assumption that if you do put words to it, that people are thinking, really, that's because she really really wants to be married or he really wants to be. Are you just being defensive or you're just painting? And, And yet... <clears throat> I'll tell you, I have a brother-in-law who's single, happy, mm-hmm. for years and years and years. <clears throat> He's the most interesting person at every <laughs> holiday. He travels uh-huh. the most. Mm-hmm. He's the most flexible. He's the yeah. most available. All the young generation love him the best. Uh-huh. You know, so mm-hmm. when you get close to singles who love their life, as you do as many you start to dare to say, hey, you know, how dare I presume about these people? Right, right. And what's really interesting is that as more and more research gets done about single people, you know, overwhelmingly people, if they study marital status, they're studying marriage. But as there's more and more research on single people, we find that some of the stereotypes are not just untrue. They're the exact opposite of the truth. So, in fact, people who are single are more, rather than being lonely and isolated, they're actually more connected to other people. Mm -hmm. They um, reach out more, they maintain their relationships with friends, with neighbors, with their siblings, with their parents, and if you follow people who end up getting married in these studies where you, you... ask them about their lives every year for years and years, you find that when people go from being single to getting married, they, on the average, become more insular. They Mm -hmm. start paying attention mostly only to their spouse and everybody else gets demoted. And it's like the single people who who are kind of keeping us all together by maintaining those ties. Well, you had a very interesting, um, in one of your, I love the way the book is set up with all the 10 myths. One of the myths was that single people are single-mindedly driven to look for a partner. And then I think it's a Pew Research study in which you, they look at 3,000 singles Uh and, and they ask them, are you presently in a committed relationship? And if not, yeah. are you looking? This was dramatic. This mm-hmm. was great. So mm-hmm. 20, 26% say, yes, I'm in a committed relationship. 55% mm-hmm. you say, say, I'm not in one and I don't want one. Right. And, and only 16% say, I'm not in one and I want one. That's right. never that what amazing? people think. Yeah, it's just so counter to everything that people assume about single people. Yeah, it's really interesting. I I had, um, because I do a lot of um, trauma work and bereavement work, I worked after 9-11 with many, many young widows and widowers. And people, the implication was, oh my God, you cannot raise the kids alone. What will happen if you raise the kids alone? These were single parents. And actually... 
they really came to it themselves. They supported mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. They, and, and it made them wild in restaurants when someone would say, oh, are you waiting for the men? They would go crazy. When this <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, they came to really feel so good about themselves. And we, there's a book called the, the Courage to Raise Great Men. The mothers realized they could well raise wonderful sons, and they did. Of that was 15 course. years ago. Um, yeah. They did a powerfully wonderful job with their children. So they weren't, at the beginning, people were like, who are you going to meet? Who are you going to pair up with? Yeah. It was really quite, quite a, an assumption that it mm-hmm. had to be the couple to raise the children. Yes, and they probably created something very strong and resilient, which is this community of single parents who, by coming together, were not raising their kids single-handedly and were not going through life alone. You are absolutely right. When they went on the very first vacation, that very first year, they made a caravan of vans because many had never taken a vacation with three oh, children alone. Wow. But they, they were 10 vans going wherever they were going. Oh, that's so, amazing. You're right. And, in fact, it speaks to the, your book, which we'll talk about in the next segment, yes. which is the wonderful configurations of living that people have come upon that many people don't even know about. Oh, totally, yeah. And some of them were uh, invented by single parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, it's such a breath of fresh air, actually. Tell me what you say, you're a social psychologist, what Uh do you think, um, Bella, is the reason for the pushback? I mean, I'm dying for you to read that example of the the cab driver. Why don't we read that and then let's talk about the pushback. All right. So this is the start of Chapter 14 in single, my book called Single Out, and the chapter is called To Be or Not to Be Single, Why Does Anyone Care? In my experience as a public speaker, there are good days and bad. One day in May, 19, May 2003, I had a very good day. At the meeting of the Midwestern Psychological Association, I gave a talk titled Marginalized, Derogated, Happy, and Effective, The Untold Success Story of People Who Are Single. Hundreds of people were in the audience, the biggest crowd yet for any talk I had ever given on singles. It was also the most simpatico group I had ever addressed. After a while, the group started to anticipate what was to come and to react in all the ways I hoped they would. After I finished speaking, audience members raised dozens of thoughtful and challenging questions. The next day, in a cab back to the airport, I was still on a high. When the driver asked what I had been doing in Chicago, I was delighted to tell him. He then had a few questions for me. So, you're single, he started. I said, yes. Have you ever been married, he wanted to know. And I said, no, never. And he asked, why not? And I said, (laughs) I love being single. And he said, some guy treat you badly? They're not all like that, you know. And I said, no, no, nothing like that. And then he said, well, maybe it's not guys you like. Nothing wrong with that. And I said, what I like is being single. And then he said, I bet some guy was too controlling, wouldn't let you have your freedom. They're not all like that either, you know. And I said, no, it's not that at all. I'm not running away from anything. I just love my life the way it is. And he said, you are being so negative. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah. 
it was so amazing to me because I was so excited and so yes. happy. And I didn't say one negative thing. And yet, that was his conclusion. I was being so negative. Well, so let me ask you as a psychologist, what do you think this pushback is about? I think that people who are single, and especially people who are happily single, are threatening a worldview that is very important to people. And the worldview is the one that says that there is one good, moral, right way to live your life, and that's to get married, have kids, stay married, and that if you do that, you will have a better life and you will be a better person. And it's a very, um, it's a very compelling worldview because it makes it seem like there's a one, um, one step guide to yes. living the good life, which is get married. <laughs> and so people who do get married and think that now they have the golden ticket, they got into the married couples club, and then they see that there are all these single people who didn't get married. And what's more, they're happy. <laughs> you know, that kind of busts that myth right there. And a lot of people don't want to have their worldview shattered. And it's not just married people. It's even single people who hope to get married someday and are still invested in this idea that if there's anything they don't like about their life, there is one cure to all of it. Get mm. married. Or even if they are wonderfully successful, have, as you say, friends, always international friends, they Uh travel more. There's the feeling that somehow, um, ah, but there's that one thing I didn't do right. And that, and that's, you know, that's the sad part about it. It is. And the other thing is, other people won't believe you if you say you're happy. They, they'll say, oh, you're just fooling yourself. Or deep down inside, you know that you really want to be married. Or, you know, it's this way of denying and dismissing your own personal emotions mm. and feelings about your life that people don't usually do to you in other domains. Like it's nobody true. Ever tells Tells married people, oh, you just think you want to be married. You know, you really want to be right. divorced. Or you're not really that happy. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, okay. and we'll, we'll pick it right up at the other side of the break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're here with Dr. Bella DePaulo. She's the author of Singled Out, and her new book is How We Live Now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset? Your home. Is it from a reality show on cable TV? A comparison website? Or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. 
You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back. I'm host Suzanne Phillips, and we are here on Psych Up Live talking to Dr. Bella DePaolo, and we're just finishing some thinking about the the real message and the findings in her book, Singled Out. Dr. DePaolo, so we were just saying the, the car ride you described with the, the taxi driver is sort of unbelievable, but then I start to think every advertisement, even the show Single in the City, they get married at the end. I mean... How else are people supposed to think? I mean, where do you think, how do you think singles should proceed, and what's the message we should, we should try to advance? I think single people need to stand up for themselves. First of all, don't try to hide the fact that you're single and you love your single life, if you really do. And don't hide what you love about your life. So if you're at a social event and all the married people start talking about, you know, their marriage or things that are just relevant to them, and they want to ask you, oh, are you seeing anyone? Or any of the standard questions that put you in that box. Talk about all that's going on in your life that you enjoy, that makes your life full and meaningful. And the other kind of thing is to... um, you know, stand up for yourself and stand up for single people. When you read something that's putting down single people, um, voice your objections. And I actually see some of that happening. So mm-hmm. when I first started writing about this, if I saw something in a newspaper um, and I'd go to the comment section to say, no, that's not the way it is, mm-hmm. I'd be the only one. Now, if I go and comment on something that has put down single people, there will be a dozen other people who got there before me. And I think that's great, you know. Terrific, yes. Yeah. Well, I I think, and your other suggestion I have seen happen 
in professional meetings, even in private gatherings, that someone will say, you know, I might know someone for you. And when the situation is switched and the person said, really, I don't know if that, that I'm that interested, but I want to tell you about my trip to Nicaragua. Perfect. The whole situation Perfect. changes. And yeah. I think, you, so it's so, that whole, you know, forward thinking, forward speaking yeah. Um, I think is a wonderful, wonderful suggestion. So now I think your second book dovetails um, somewhat on this because, again, Mm -hmm. it's questioning the the social and cultural constraints. Now, your your new book is wonderful. It's How We Live Now, Redefining Home and Family in the 21st Century. And with it, you say you open the field of what you call life space literature. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what brings you to writing this new book and how you went about it. I first started thinking about this when I wrote a blog post, and it was called Not Going Nuclear, So Many Ways to Live and Love. And I talked about all the ways, some examples of ways that people were living that were not in nuclear families. And the reaction was so... Um, it was so heartwarming. People talked about the groups of friends that were really important to them in their lives, and they talked about the families they created, and they talked about uh, different innovative living situations that they came up with. So it seemed like, again, it was something that people wanted to think about and talk about, and it extended my singles work in that if you're single... You're not going to be living in a nuclear family household, so how are you going to live, and what are some of the possibilities? And then it also went beyond that in that even some people who are coupled or even are married with kids um, don't want to do the single detached family home out in the suburbs anymore. They find that isolating, too. Mm-hmm. So tell us about some of these arrangements. Um, you have so many interesting ones in yeah. your book. Right. Well, I'll start with the one we alluded to earlier. Um, the single woman who was so devastated after her divorce, and she had a kid, and she felt all alone. And so she put out this advertisement asking if an, any other single mother would like to share a house with her, not just to share expenses, but to share their lives and help each other with childbearing and be friends to each other. And mm. so they did that. But so many other people were interested that she ended up creating this online registry called Co-Abode, C-O-A-B-O-D-E, which now has something has more than 70,000 people <laughs> registered. So That's if you're great. a single mother, you know, you can look and find someone in your area and fill out this long questionnaire to make sure you and the other single mother are on the same page in terms of child rearing and what you like and what you care about. So that's just one example mm-hmm. of there's so many innovative ways I found that people are living and they range from the kinds of living arrangements that have a lot of togetherness, so people living under the same roof, mm-hmm. you might think of that as like Golden Girl style, right, to right. people who want much more privacy, mm-hmm. meaning a place of their own usually, to the in-between version.
version, which is really fascinating, which is having a place of your own, which may be just for you or maybe you share it with a friend or somebody else, but it's within a community that's a real community, a real neighborhood, not just that you happen to live next to these people, but that you've come together deliberately to create a place where the other people who live all around you are people who care about you and want to share parts of their lives. So my favorite example of that is what's called co-housing. In Mm -hmm. co-housing communities, people have their homes or apartments usually arranged around a green space apart from the streets or any traffic. And they each have their own home. And then there's also what's called a common house. And that's an extra house that everybody shares. Nice. Yeah. That's and nice. they're just yeah. there, you know, to have meals or to have meetings or. I mean, so it's, yeah, it's a really nice way of getting these two things about your life that I think everybody wants. But in you know, different. Per- Oh, go ahead, go ahead. In different proportions, which is uh, meaningful social connections, but also some solitude, some time to yourself, some privacy. Mm. It reminded me, and I think you even used the word village, the the houses that are all around a common green, but that Mm -hmm. space where they all share reminded me of when people would go all have dinner at the church or at the, you know, or the barn. They'd raise the barn together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, when you do get to know um, par- single parents and singles. Mm-hmm. Many are doing a version of this, but they don't know that they are not alone with these interesting yeah. arrangements. Like I, yeah. this, this same brother-in-law, he and many friends live in a, a um, apartment complex, mm-hmm. but they and they have nursed each other through illnesses, but they have usually meet for one night to eat. So, yeah. but they all are very protective of their privacy. So there yeah. really are very, these arrangements are very suited to letting people be who they want. And it's a real nice yeah. mix for many of connection and privacy. Yes. And, you know, as a psychologist, what interested me about that is that there's so many people who talk about real estate and houses, and, you know, they'll talk about things like location, 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 which, of course, is important, but they don't get at the psychological heart of what people want, mm. which is some measure of both privacy, autonomy, solitude, and some way of connecting in meaningful ways with other people. I think one of your, I loved your example of, I don't know if I have this right, they're college roommates and they loved living together, a group of men, and then they yeah. go on to, is it that they get connecting apartments, Bella? Um, um, no, they all stayed in this one big uh, structure. They each had their own spaces within it. They were like suites or maybe even like mini mm-hmm. apartments, but not that big. And what was so great about this, so it's four heterosexual guys, they were close friends in college, so they lived together after college, but then something like, you know, I don't know, a decade later, their lease was up, or the the rent went way up, and so they had to move. Now, you would think, you know, four guys who are maybe in their 30s by then are just going to say, okay, let's all go our own separate ways, but they said, no, we are 
a family. And right. they continued to go their separate ways. And last time I checked, it, they had been together, I forgot if it was 18 or 20 years. That's fabulous. Yeah. You know, we, we used to call that the second chance family. Uh, yeah. And in a way it is, because who gets yeah. to pick family? Right, right. I think the way people talk about it now is often families of choice. Yeah, yes, right. Um, what I love about your example, still 18 years, is unlike a sitcom, they did not end in marriage. You know, yes, yes, right? that's what I love about it. And I think that's, that's the story that really needs to get written and needs to get out there better. Because even some of our most creative writers, like Shonda Rhimes, I mean, her shows are fabulous, but they have so many wedding themes. You know, somebody's always pulling out some engagement ring and the person's covering their mouth. It's like, oh, please, you're such a creative, wonderful, brilliant woman. Do better than that. But, re- but remember, some people are writing because they're getting the pressure that that's yeah. what, and it's cyclical. That's what people want. That's what people get. But that's then all that people see. But right. the, the whole, I mean, the number, I loved your example with the um, mixing communities of young people and elderly because I've yeah. seen that happen in assisted livings where right. um, I had family members, and uh-huh. they loved the teenagers. Um, yeah, yes, Grace. Yeah, so, so some of that, that You know, there really could work. It could work, those kind of multi-generational arrangements. Yeah, totally. So, you know, there's several versions of that. One is the co-housing communities that have people of all different ages. But then the other is the, you know, what we think of the old-fashioned multi-generational households. Right. And I visited several of those, and that was really wonderful, too. And what's different today is because we live for a longer amount of time, there are more house, there are more generations overlapping. So mm-hmm. I went to a four-generational household, wow. which was really touching. And the whole dynamics are different now in the 21st century. You have more of, uh, especially as the young kids get older and become grown adults, they have more of a friendship relationship with the older generations Mm -hmm. and not just an authoritarian structure. And I think that's kind of a sign of the times as well. It's very true that very often... Uh, if you're sandwiched between your children and your parents, your children get along better with your their grandparents than with yes. your, your the parents because <laughs> some they're, of that. They're, they're both connected to you. They both mm-hmm. uh, they both will will point out all your fall, failings, yeah. and they have the benefit of being two against one. Well, that's my experience of it. Right. But it's it's quite delicious, actually, because... Yeah, it is really nice. As it's you say, that there's a kind of uh, attunement and friendship that really can happen. In fact, some folks, there's so many people in who have grandmothers in Florida and uncles somewhere else that mm-hmm. they really wish they were in those multi-generational homes, Bella. Yeah. Uh, you know, they really do. They miss that. Yeah. They really miss yeah. it. Um, what would you say now? Maybe tell our listeners, how did you get this information? Did you travel? You traveled, was it, across country? I did. Um, and this is hard for me because I'm somebody who doesn't like to ask for help. But I had to ask all these different people, many of them perfect strangers, if they really? would let me into their homes, show me around, and tell me their life stories. <laughs> so, but how, how did you identify whose house you were knocking on? 
<laughs> well, I put out an online questionnaire, so I got some responses that way. Okay. And I asked people I knew if they knew anyone, so I, so I did it that way, too. So sometimes I had an introduction. That was the easiest way. <laughs> so somebody knew someone and put me in touch. Um, and then if somebody wrote to me on um, my online survey and said they were... I, and, and told me a good story, then I'd approach them and say, well, can I come and talk to you? Or sometimes I'd learn some other way about someone, you know, maybe read about them or something. Uh, so, yeah, so I went and talked to them, and um, it was just really fascinating. I mean, this is amazing. A, a lot of guts. B, quite an odyssey. And you said you spoke with people from ages 19 to 99? 91, yeah. 91. Wow. Yeah. That that was really quite a that's a book in and of itself, your travels. <laughs> it was. And the ninety one year old was one of my favorites. I mean he was still going kayaking, you know. Oh my god, was he in Oregon? <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> yeah. That was in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Oh, that's great. So yeah. you really did you know it's so interesting that there are this many configurations of living and life spaces mm-hmm. across the nation. Did right. you find more creativity out of the big cities? Um I think there was some of it everywhere. If you're close to a city, you have more possibilities because if you wanted to, for example, start a co-housing community, there are just more different people available, whereas if you're in a rural area and you yes. want to do something funky, you, know, you might not have that many people That's to draw right. from in the first place. But I think you know, creativity is not bound by geography. Wow, that's that's really fascinating. We're going to have to take a brief break. And, and on the other side of this break, I'm going to be asking you what was your most shocking experience on that trip. Um, <laughs> you've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we, we're having a wonderful show with Dr. Bella DiPaolo. She is our expert on singles, the author of Singled Out, how singles are stereotyped, stigmatized, ignored, but still living ha- happily ever after. And her new book, Redefining Home and Family in the 21st Century, How We Live Now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Tune in to the Dr. Gladney Radio Show every week. For enlightening, provocative, real conversations, advice, and tips that you can use to improve your life. If you feel overwhelmed, confused, stressed, or lost in the cycle of life, this is the show for you. Dr. Gladney and her guests will help you repair, manage, and create an amazing life. No topic is off limits and is discussed with real solutions on our show. That's the Dr. Gladney Radio Show, live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? 
Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up. We're talking with Dr. Bella DePaolo about the messages and themes in her books, Singled Out, and her new book, How We Live Now. Um, we were, You made this odyssey across the country, and it sort of, um, your odyssey really ties in your first book, Singled Out, as well as this new book on life space literature, where you're finding out that singles, as well as married, single parents, married parents, are choosing the unexpected and sometimes the old-fashioned, multi-generations in a home. Uh, then you had the old village setting, all of our homes around a common green, and we all have dinner together one night a week. So, I mean, it's fascinating to hear about these. So when I was reading it, I wondered, is there a downside or did Bella come across anything that actually worried her as a psychologist along the way? Uh, well, I was looking for people who love the way they live, so I was looking in a kind of biased way. But there are some challenges. So if you live with other people, especially if you live under the same roof, or even if you live in a community where you have your own place but you see other people all the time or you get together, there's the issue of, you know, things that you don't agree with or... Um, you know, things that rub you the wrong way that other people do, which is just really another part of of life. So mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. it's not special to these arrangements, but it is an issue. And in co-housing communities in particular, they have t- true participatory democracy. So they get together and have these meetings where everybody's voice counts. It's not representative democracy. But that can be a challenge, too, because the meetings can go on forever. Uh, Another challenge is, you know, for people who want to live alone, and I'm one of them, and who want to stay in their own place, as you get older, if there are things that get harder and harder for you to do by yourself, it gets more of a challenge to stay in your own place. But there's a wonderful response to that, which is called the village movement, which is um, taking place in various communities around the nation where it's a membership organization. You pay, usually you pay a certain amount of dues every month, and then if you need something, like a ride somewhere or help in getting something or fixing something, you can call the village and or email, and somebody will come over and help you or give you a ride. And sometimes Wonderful. they have 
social events. So it's a wonderful way to let people live just how they want, how many of them want to live, which is in their own place by themselves. Oh, I love that. That is wonderful. Now, just just because I'm sure some of our listeners have, have loved what you've been saying, let me just take a minute to say, how would our listeners read, you write blogs for Psych Central and Psychology right. Today, w- wonderful stuff, and your books and your website. <laughs> okay, I- let's start with my website, which is okay. belladipalo.com, B-E-L-L-A-D-E-P. A-U-L-O, com. But since that last name is kind of hard, you can just Google Singled Out, which is the name of my first book, or How We Live Now, which is the name of my second book, so Singled Out or How We Live Now. The blog that I write for Psych Central, which is where Suzanne and I both blog, my blog is called Single at Heart. Nice. So you can Google that. The blog I write for Psychology Today is called Living Single. Nice. So all of these different possibilities will help you to find me. So Singled Out, How We Live Now, um, Living Single, Single at Heart, or my name, if you can get that right, Bella DiPaolo, B-E-L-L-A-D-E-P-A-U-L-O. So all of those different ways will work. And Singled Out and How We Live Now are, of course, on Amazon and lots of online places, and hopefully in many of your independent bookstores as well. Yes, okay. Um, great, great. And, and let me tell listeners, um, it is worth checking out Dr. DePaulo's stuff. It's wonderful to read. You'll really enjoy it. One of the things that hit me, because I work so much with blended families, Bella, mm-hmm. is... In those cases where co-adobe, uh, um, no, co-abode, I think you call yeah. it, uh, right. where tens and thousands of single mothers are going to share raising kids. And mm-hmm. as, even as I'm thinking about it, so I think, I guess the, the only thing I would say as a psychologist is as far as the children go and their adjustment to listening mm-hmm. to another adult, yeah. with anything... With any of these arrangements, I always think time is on your side. Let yourself go into it slowly and mm-hmm. give your children, you know, you, we want to give yeah. a rationale to children. And I'm sure that's Absolutely. happens. The other yes, thing is that children feel safe when other children are in an arrangement. And it sounds like that really had that. Yes, and the person who started this, Carmel Sullivan, she really encourages the single mothers to spend a lot of time with each other before they commit to moving in. So, you know, get together, do things together, maybe see each other's places to see how the other person lives. And, um, you know, if they can afford it, even take a trip together. So anything you can do to sort of make sure that you all like each other, and that includes the moms and the kids, they all kind of get together. And she's found, for example, that it works better if the kids are closer in age. Yes. You know, she's had problems where two of the kids are close in age and one isn't, and then the one that isn't feels left out because the two that are close in age become besties. And yep. <laughs> so there, you know, there are issues like that. But if you spend enough time together before you commit to moving in, then a lot of that can be headed off. Right. I think that that is the point. And we saw with, I've seen with so many blended families that, 
The parenting goes on, but when a very final decision is made, the natural parent was the one who made it. And as long as it's almost like the children, you said before, some of these arrangements, people have a voice. When children have a voice in a family, that is a wonderful thing. It is. You know, I went to visit, I don't know, at least a half a dozen of these co-housing communities, and in one of them, one of the people doing the tours was a a young teenage boy, and that was just so heartening, you know, that Mm. you'd think there's certain stereotypes we have of young teenage boys, and yet here's this guy showing around this group of visitors of all different ages and showing them proudly his community and how they had created this special community of people of all different ages. And so I thought that was really nice. Well, it's an interesting thing because we do have stereotypes, again, of boys, Mm -hmm. and I will tell you, Having raised boys, it was very interesting to me that when they come, came back from college with friends, we live in a village, actually. Uh-huh. So um, kids would go, what do you mean you know the baker's son? What do you mean you know the gas station guy? <laughs> really? Because it was really quite, they were quite taken with that. There's something to say as much as we all have the, the benefits of a very cosmopolitan when you live, you know, in the outskirts of uh-huh. a city options. Just to to know the people you're surrounded with and to enjoy it, unless of course you've you've had a rough time. In which case, I think your message is move on because there's mm-hmm. loads of other people and places yeah, and living totally. spaces. Yes, absolutely. And that was one of the wonderful um, findings from all this research is how innovative people were. And sometimes these arrangements that they came up with that ended up benefiting so many people came from a place of pain, you know, like that Carmel Sullivan who was so devastated Mm -hmm. after her divorce and felt so lost and so lonely. And she ended up creating this co-abode possibility that is benefiting thousands and thousands of families. Absolutely. And that was my thought also when you think of how many seniors, and I'm working with people who don't know how to tell the senior that they're no longer mm-hmm. quite safe on their own. Yeah. I mean, there there may be configurations where rather than a nursing home, it's yeah. a home with a few seniors and some private nursing. I mean, all yeah. kinds of arrangements start yeah. to come to mind once you open the space the way you did in this book. Yeah, and so I have a separate chapter on, it's called The New Old Age, Institutions mm-hmm. Beyond, that talks okay. about so many of the ways that seniors have found of creating uh, a way of living that works for them, that uh, takes into account the kinds of things that become more challenging as you get older, and also taps into, you know, the greater wisdom you have as you get older. Mm-hmm. I think that um the fact really the to me the theme of your books has to do with the freedom to make choices and not be constrained or judged yeah. or forced into molds that other people believe are the right ones that is exactly right and i think we are so fortunate to live in the time that we live now the 21st century america because There are so many ways 
we can live now. We don't all have to choose the same path of getting married and having kids and getting a house in the suburbs. Though you still can. I mean, that's still an option. If anybody wants it and loves it, they can have it. But now you can fashion the life that works for you. You can find the people who matter to you, and it doesn't have to be just one person that you call your soulmate. And you can mm-hmm. find the the kind of house and or housing arrangement that works for you. And you can decide if you want to have kids or not or be involved in the lives of kids some other way than being their parent. And there are just so many options. So we really can choose or create the life that is most meaningful and most authentic for each of us. Mm, Beautifully said. Would you say, you know, as we're nearing our time, would you say that as a result of writing each of these books, you actually came to learn some things you hadn't known before? Um, Oh, sure. About, oh, about all sorts of things. (laughs) And, (laughs) And the ways that people are dealing with uh, other people trying to put them in boxes or trying mm-hmm. to constrain them. And, and I've just been so um, impressed by people who will find their way out of difficult situations or have the courage to live the life they want to live, even though other people are saying, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you know? <laughs> Why don't you just get married? Why don't you just have kids? Right, right. You know? Why don't you go live in the suburbs? And, um, you know, some people get more of that pressure than others, but it's, um, I think it's really been wonderful to see all the possibilities that people have come up with and, and their courage in, in, you know, looking inward and and honoring themselves and what they think makes their life best. And, you know, it's Mm. good for even people who want to follow the more traditional path of getting married, having kids, living in the suburbs, whatever. It's it's, You can do that more from a position of strength if you know that you don't have to do that. Perfect. Now you're you're choosing it because you want to. And not because you feel like that's the only way you're allowed to live. The other thing, I, I when we think about longevity now, it invites people to know they could have many different chapters. A married in the suburbs chapter, a right. single in the city chapter, yes. a co-adobe co- um, chapter. That's the other freedom is that we don't have to co- make one choice and say, oh, that's it. So, yes, and, you know, and it's that great. was fascinating, too, to see the people who had um, created different kinds of life spaces for themselves at different periods of their life. And that yeah. was, that's a good thing, too. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to close. I want to really thank you for coming on. Your books are gifts. The show is a valuable gift to our listeners. <laughs> thank you, Dr. De- Bella Well, thank you so much for having me. I want to thank our listeners. You can hear this show and any of our prior shows as a podcast by, by, on my host site, my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone, on iTunes. Next week, we'll have Dr. Sherry Hamby. And Dr. Sherry Hamby is an expert on handling the fallout from domestic violence and violence of any type. Her focus is one I really love. It's expanding resilience no matter what 
journey you've taken and what you've had to face. So be sure to be listening in. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Until next week, please take care. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.